You are listening to the Riding Gravel Radio Ranch. This episode is brought to you by TravelCast.com. So listeners, they've been supporting Riding Gravel for quite a while, and we really appreciate it. So if you could do one thing while you're listening to this or after you listen to this, is go to the show page, click on that banner, and it'll take you to the specific page that they have set up for all the cycling in Kansas. So you might be aware of all the gravel roads, dirty Kansas, uh, but there's uh, mountain bike trails and plenty of rail trails and uh, plenty of things to do. So head over to travelks.com. Also, just a warning, we had uh, some issues with Skype with Will. So if there's a few spots where you hear there's a delay or something going on, uh, that was due to Skype. I did some editing, so I cleaned up the bad parts. Uh, I don't think a lot of the spots you'll even notice. But just so you know, if you do hear something funky, that's what it is. Uh, otherwise, it's it's really good. And uh, if you enjoy it, let us know. Uh, if you have any questions, you can send them to guitarted at ridinggravel.com or ben at ridinggravel.com. Thank you very much. Welcome to Riding Gravel Radio Ranch. And uh, today we have a special guest on with us. Um, of course, we have Ben, uh, as always. How you doing, Ben? Good. Good. And uh, today we have a special guest uh, from California, uh, from a mountain bike company called WTB, which stands for Wilderness Trail Bikes. It's Will Ritchie. How you doing, Will? Doing great. Thanks, guys, so much for having me. Great Absolutely. to be here. Yeah, so how are things out in California? Things are going well. Um, things are kind of drying out a little bit, and uh, we're all very thankful for that a little reprieve from some weather and great trails. So Awesome. Awesome. So, Will, uh, I think uh, the reason we wanted to have you on today was uh, I think, you know, obviously WTB is starting to make some uh, really great gravel road tires like the, the Nano 40. And now you've got the Riddler tires out, and uh, we've tested those on riding gravel. But I, th- I think it might uh, be kind of fun to find out uh, how it was that WTV got into this whole gravel road scene. And uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Will actually came out and rode in Trans-Iowa last spring. And uh, so we want to find out from you, Will, how that all came about and uh, what the buzz is at WTB over the gravel road stuff. So... First of all, if you want to just start out telling us uh, how how those uh, tires came about and and what was the uh, you know what's the feel at WTB for the gravel scene. Well, first off, uh, thank you kindly for the nice words about Nano Forty and gravel tires, and it's been really fun kind of following your guys' take and reviews on the tires we've been coming out with on uh, riding gravel. So thank you so much. It's, but, uh, it's no secret, both in the outward writing and behind the scenes, that Guitar Ted is a fan. So I got to throw that. <laughs> we are very fortunate. And in terms of kind of how WTB, a company known for mountain bike stuff, kind of started thinking about gravel tires and about doing more tires around gravel riding, kind of we got to go back to um, – we're very fortunate here at WTB to work with local frame builders and a lot of people that have kind of worked with us over the years. So either 
customers that have been long-term customers, shops that really care, um, just people that are kind of like extended W2B family and they're looking out for us. And it kind of started to become apparent to us that people that cared about us were starting to get upset that we just weren't getting it, that we're missing it, (laughs) that we had, you know, a tread pattern that would work awesome for a lot of the bikes that they were starting to set up and, or had already been selling for quite some time and that we weren't addressing. So, you know, many customers had kind of asked for something that was a little bit bigger tire in terms of bigger than traditional cross type tires, but something that was still a faster rolling tire and kind of a few that really stood out that, you know, I guess they spoke quite loudly were, uh, we had Sean Walling of Soulcraft kind of saying, look, <laughs> you've got the nano tread pattern. Awesome. Make it in a 40 millimeter. What is the problem here? You're just totally <laughs> missing out. And it was almost like, I think at the time I was working inside sales here, I could tell it was like he had frame orders coming in and he was yeah. ordering stuff for other bikes that he also had going on, 29 inch bikes or something. And it was like, why couldn't he just also order some super awesome gravel tires from us? So that was somebody who, uh, you know, I, I, it's almost like we could hear it in his voice, the yeah. frustration that we were almost there. And then also for a long time, Mike Varley at uh, Black Mountain Cycles in Point Reyes, California. So here in Marin County, but a little west of WTPs here in Mill Valley, Southern Marin. Mike's a little further out in Western Marin. Um, okay. He had been asking for bigger, bigger than a cross tire, faster rolling. He was like in the camp of, you know, make a 45 or something like that. Uh-huh. So those were things that we had heard that we were, um, people that cared about us were asking us for products. And then it was really also going to QBP's Frostbike where we went there and it was a time period where we were getting asked, you guys making gravel tires? And no, we weren't making gravel tires. But kind of those things, also, I'm missing a lot of names here. It wasn't just only Mike and only Sean of Black Mountain Cycles and also Soulcraft, but a lot of people had asked us for tires like that. So it was kind of the convergence of people that look out for us here at WTB and uh, going to Frostbike and really seeing that there were quite a lot of people at bike shops, people would buy tires or people making bikes that wanted us to make some bigger tires. So it got us thinking. And uh, that's when we started looking at what happens if we do a nano in a 40 millimeter casing. Well, I was just going to say, we. I'm going to let you in on a secret, Will, okay? Yep. Uh, um, here at Riding Gravel, we have kind of a running inside joke between Ben and I that, uh-huh. um, and, and it has to do with how, you know, the industry needs to make money and people think that's an evil thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we, we typically, yes. we typically uh, will have some kind of, uh, you know, a little banner about that almost on every show that we do. So, you know, what I'm hearing is uh, from you is that, you know, uh, there was an opportunity. 
And Certainly an opportunity. Yep. You're right. Yeah. So, and, and you're in business and you, and you need to make money. And if there's an opportunity to, to sell uh, a product, uh, you certainly you should, you should make that. I mean, that, that totally makes sense to me. So, um, that's, that's definitely, um, definitely makes sense. So I, I would think that from the standpoint of how the gravel scene grew and people were starting to make bikes for it and, uh, the events we have, you know, all these events on our calendar now. And so over a period of time, you're starting to see more and more people start to ask for things like tires. So it makes sense to me that that would, would have happened to you, but you know, um, we were fortunate enough to have you come out to trans Iowa last year. And, um, so, I mean, it's one thing to make a product, uh, for, for the industry and sell it, but obviously there's something more to it there at WTB than just making the product because you, why would you even come out to do something like trans Iowa? It's kind of nuts. You know, you can sit there in California and, and, uh, ride those sweet trails and, and, <laughs> you know, and not have to do that and still sell gravel tires. So, so tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, how that came about. What, what was the deal there? Okay. And just to answer another thing, I just kind of realized with the question before, um, WTB had actually made a pretty big tire before the Nano 40. So a number of years before, probably five, six, seven years before that, WTB had a Mucano 44 tire. Oh, yeah, that's right. 700 by 44, rad tire. And it was kind of, it never really sold as well as we had hoped. And, you know, call it Monster Cross, call it whatever you want. Um I think at the time, WTV, even though it was metrically listed 700 by 44, it was sometimes called a 29 by 17 or 18. So it kind of went for 29ers. It went for monster cross bikes. It never really quite caught on, but okay. then, you know, we got a I, chance again. Yeah, I remember, I remember that tire. I remember hearing about I think that was one that Mike Varley was all excited about at one point. Oh, I'm sure. Right. Yeah. yeah, it was closer to stuff that he liked that he already mm-hmm. had stuff going for. Yeah. But uh, sorry, that's a side note. I just realized. <laughs> um, but to get back to, uh, so how does it go from making a product, seeing an opportunity, to then starting to think about, okay, there's an event out in Iowa that's an awesome event that's huge, that's big, that's crazy. How do you go from making that product to looking at that event and trying to work with that event and hopefully sponsor that event as well. So, uh, I guess kind of part of it happened in that, well, we were able to do these tires, the nano 40 tires, and, uh, we were able to get a couple super early samples under Jay Peterberry, um, was riding our tires at the time. And he was somebody that really liked the 29 inch, nano tire um as kind of a tire he used for tour divide a lot Mm -hmm. and we got these you know nano 40s his way um got this cool tire what would be an awesome way to try to drum up a little bit of kind of more i guess exposure for the tire and what are some cool events that we could try to link a tire to that seem like a very real event that kind of goes with this bigger, faster gravel tire, kind of do everything tire. 
So we were looking at events and just kind of looking at gravel events, different gravel events popped up and um, we kind of asked JP for a couple suggestions and uh, he threw a few names out there. He threw um, Almanzo out there. He also threw Crusher and the Tusher and he also mentioned Trans Iowa and we started looking at the different events. So as soon as we landed on the Trans Iowa webpage, it was very apparent that this was a very real event, not to say any of the others weren't, but this was an event that so much care was put into it. Um, for one, it was a massive event. It was the longest by a long shot, but it was also like every detail had been figured out. There was a way that it was fair for everyone. It was a free event, which was awesome. And it was an event that was, cool because it addressed kind of a number of things it was one where there was very much uh there was the competitive nature to it you want to if you're somebody who want to go race that event you want to do as well as you can but there was also this uh challenge of just finishing it in itself that is huge on its own and that was pretty neat something that would attract people that it was kind of more inclusive in that everybody was trying this. It was so hard, and yet it still had that competitive nature to it. And it was something that was very apparent that so much care was put into it, so much thought was put into it. The course changed every year. It it just seemed so cool. And then, if I remember correctly, at the time, um, I believe it was uh, Lisa Moshler, who is uh, Jason Moshler, who is a member of uh, Team WTB here and also our global OEM sales manager. Lisa reached out just kind of checking on sponsorship and Guitar Ted, I believe uh, you wrote back and you said, well, you know, it'd be really awesome if if you guys had any inner tubes or I've always liked the Pure Saddle. You know, maybe if you had some of that for racers or something, that's something that could be needed. And it was just such a... It was like an overly modest option for a sponsorship event. It was way too nice of you. And it was, it was like, oh, my God, man, that this is too nice. This is a rad event. And wow, we too nice of you, Guitar Ted. And of course, we want to be part of this. And that first year, I think we had a set of Nano 40 tires to um, spots one through ten. If I remember correctly and it was just it felt so special to be part of that so that was kind of the path to how do we see trans iowa and uh leading up to that was also we'd been thinking about okay we've we've got this tire we're excited about this tire let's find some key influencers fun people that uh, we would love to give a set of tires to but also let's let's think about wouldn't it be cool to, you know, on a smaller level, sponsor an event? And boy, was that fun to sponsor it and to see photos coming back from it. And then kind of we went from there and we're lucky enough to keep sponsoring. So cool. that was the start. Yeah. Nice. So, um, yeah. So then um, a little story for, for, I don't know if I've told you this, Will, but um, one of those first sets of nano 40s that went out uh went to a guy by the name of uh scott sumter 
and he's uh, he runs a site here in Iowa called BikeIowa.com, by the way. So it's really uh, bike centric kind of a guy. And uh, he got those tires and he put them on his bike and um, back then. And he came out for a ride that I put on this summer. And um, he was say, hey, man, I got to stop a minute and check my tire. I might be getting a flat. And he had uh, had him set up tubeless and and got the sealant to take and everything. I said, man, those tires look trash, dude. How long have you had those? He goes, well, these are those Nano 40s that you, I got back, you know, a year oh, or two man. ago. And he's got them completely worn out, and he's still riding. because he <laughs> And they're still going, as far as I know. I don't think he took them off. So uh, I just thought, man, that's amazing. I, you don't see very many people actually riding out so much gravel. They actually wear their tire out but and keep going. But he was. So he really appreciated those tires, and he definitely getting all the money's worth out of them. So... That's, I thought you'd appreciate hearing yeah, that. Yeah, that is yeah. really good to hear. Um, so, cool. Yeah, so anyway, so you actually came out and uh, put your bike on the line last spring. So uh, how'd that go for you? Why don't you tell everybody about your experience a little bit? So that was a amazing experience. I um, feel very fortunate that I got to come out. So thank you again for yeah. allowing me to come out there. And that was incredible. Now, kind of, as I mentioned, just from afar, could tell that this was very real event and that a lot of care, effort, thought, um, consideration, planning was put into it. But going out, it was really incredible. For one thing, first off, I was quite nervous. It's huge, you know, 300 miles plus every year, only a certain amount of time that you can do it. Can you maintain that 10 miles an hour or depending on the year, how, how fast you have to go in order to make that cutoff. But so I was quite nervous about it, but, uh, it was amazing getting there and really cool to meet a lot of the people who came out to do the event. And once you're around folks, and I kind of noticed this at the hotel, they're kind of checking into the hotel. You know, you can see obvious bike cars in the parking lot, their bikes on top of cars and everything. Yeah. So then you get to the pre-race meetup, and it's kind of like that reunion continues. You also, if you haven't yet met any of the volunteers, you're lucky enough to meet the volunteers. And volunteers aren't just people who are there fulfilling community service hours. A lot of the time, they're people who have already done the race, people who care about Guitar Ted, care about Trans Iowa. They're super athletes themselves, not necessarily doing gravel riding only, but also doing stuff like um, Great Divide, Tour Divide, all sorts of huge races, but really nice volunteers that you can just see it, that they care about it, um, and they care about making you feel good about this crazy thing you're about to do. And then you get to start talking to some of the racers. And, man, coming from California, it's... I've been to races, I've been to mountain bike races, and there can kind of be this like competitive sort of nervous energy that zings about in the air. And once you get to the pre-race meetup at Trans-Iowa, it's like this almost bigger family gathering. And it's this awesome feeling of nice people. We're in this together. This is a fun thing that's going to happen. So it's really cool that that's part of the deal. And it kind of just totally evaporates some of those 
pre-race jitters. So it's, it's kind of like a family reunion without the weird uncle. Yeah, <laughs> very good way to put it. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. I, as someone from the outside who I came down there, was it a couple years ago? And yeah. I was, I didn't really expect, I mean, Will, you said it really well. And then that gets hard to that was perfect, but that's what it's like. <laughs> yeah. I was really, uh-huh. I, it was beyond my expectations. Put it that way. Like the number of people, cause you normally go to races and they're like, nobody's talking to each other. They look at each other weird. They kind of stare at you, whoever, you know, mm-hmm. this was yeah. totally different. Totally different. Yeah. And yeah, that- very, very much so. Especially you're eating with people, you're sitting down with them. They're asking you where you're from, why you're here, if you've done this before, what you think of it all. Um, very inviting, very positive, uh, and embracing feel to everything. Really cool. Right. Yeah. And I, I think that um, you'll find in anything is generally that comes in any organization, any event, any type of thing, it, it reflects the leader, right? So very much so. Yeah. It's uh, Guitar Ted passing it down and respect for Guitar Ted and the way it's put on, the amount of care put into it. People that want to be part of that also care about it, and it really shows. So, yeah. pretty amazing. Well, thanks. Uh, you know, the history of that whole pre-race meetup thing goes clear back to the very first Trans-Iowa. And uh, actually, it was kind of an idea that, um, well, maybe a lot of people don't know, but I started Trans-Iowa with Jeff Kirkhoff, who's with Ergon now. And um, so, he uh, this he said, well, hey, man, we got to have a pre-race meeting, so let's find out if pizza ranch will put us up in hayward and because we were starting we we went all the way across the state back then so we went went out there and got a room and and uh you know i walk into trans iowa from uh from like ground zero okay so i didn't know anything about putting on events i didn't know anything about endurance events i'd done some cross-country racing in the 90s so and and jeff was a 24-hour solo racer he knew all these people and knew how it worked and and uh, he knew what kind of vibe he kind of was looking for. So when I walked into this whole deal, I was a greenhorn. I had no idea what it was going to be like. And I remember that very first trans I was thinking, this is really cool because everybody can kind of hang out for a little bit. And then they go out and race and they never see each other after that because it gets all strung out. And, you know, and and uh, you, you don't get a chance to talk to anybody. And I thought, you know, that's really cool that they get that chance to sit down with each other and talk to each other. Because I remember when I raced cross country, it was like what you said, Will, there was always this, you know, like the, the cock of the walk kind of rooster strutting around thing, you know, that, and I, I didn't think that was very fun. And this was completely different than that. So I always wanted to, to develop that idea and keep it going and, and, and make that work. So then when we ended up in Grinnell and found the uh, Grinnell Steakhouses, which is where that, pre-race meeting happens every year now it was perfect it just we just fell into a really good situation so yeah thanks for the kind words i appreciate that it was it's a lot of fun to to see how that all plays out every year for everyone so of course really cool and i remember i think you mentioned to me when i was there this past april that you kind of like the format where people get up and they're waiting in line to go grill and cook food because it kind of it gets people moving and then they're talking even more and it's really true. You're, you're standing in lines next to somebody and before you know it, you're, you're talking about your favorite tires or what you like, what you don't, what you're nervous about coming up yep. or what you think the weather's going to be. Well, we yeah. were lucky we had great weather, 
but uh, I can only imagine trans eye was passed and (laughs) stories from uh, about uh, trans eye was were not a soul finished. So I'm sure it's, it's a different feel every time at the steakhouse, but every time it's gotta be a great feel. Oh yeah. So just to let people out there know uh, if you didn't quite uh, understand what Will was talking about, the Grinnell Steakhouse is a grill-your-own steak place. So if you're not familiar with what that is, it's like the biggest barbecue you've ever seen inside of a building. That's basically what it is. So you, you, they give you a raw piece of meat, and you have to walk up to this gigantic grill and cook it yourself. And that's why it works the way it does, because you're standing there flop, flipping, flopping your steak, and there's somebody standing right next to you doing the same thing, and you just strike up a conversation where you're from, and, and you get to know them. So it's not like you walk into a restaurant and sit in a chair, and you never get up. So um, that's that's what he was talking about there. So, um, so Will, let's find out a little bit about what you thought about actually riding in Trans-Isla. So that was uh, pretty awesome. Now... How rolly is it going to be? How steep are those hills going to be? Are there going to be tons of hills? But I do remember driving in um, to Grinnell and thinking to myself, driving on the freeway, wow, it's freeway. It's not totally flat. We seem to be going uphill, downhill, uphill, downhill. And sure enough, as soon as the ride got going, um, yeah, you are constantly going uphill, downhill, and those hills themselves they're real hills. So very, uh, it seems like you must amass total elevation pretty quickly, but, uh, that part of it was definitely challenging. And then it was also interesting, just kind of lining up at the start line. There's this huge mass of people. You've hopefully just received your cue cards. So you've got (laughs) this before and kind of explain that side of it uh you don't actually know the course itself until you start this race trans iowa and you get your first set of cue cards and you've got certain amount of time to make it to checkpoint one and you've got these cue cards that tell you to take a left at this street take a right at that street or watch out here's a major intersection with a very busy road so be aware but uh it's a kind of crazy feeling knowing that you have tons of miles ahead of you not knowing what that course is and then lining up with tons of people out there all with lights on with different layers of clothing they're all moving about and you're in downtown grinnell iowa so that's that's wild and you follow um the the car with with driving along behind this last year was a Subaru. I'm not sure yep. if it's a Subaru every time, but no. <laughs> uh, you're following a car, the car peels off and then you're riding. And it's kind of an amazing feeling. You watch this huge line of people kind of start to thin out or, or just kind of lengthen and people go up front. People are in the back. For me, I was still really nervous. So I was kind of wondering wow if i feel this nervous at this point is any of this going to work out will i ever even see checkpoint one let alone 20 miles and you start pedaling more and then it starts to feel more like you're going on a ride and things start to feel a little bit more normal yeah and kind of like at uh, the grinnell steakhouse you're with people 
and before you know it, you're talking to people. It's still dark out because the event starts very, very early in the morning. Yep. And as it starts to get more light and kind of daylight starts to set in, then it feels like, okay, I'm starting to get in the swing of things. We're starting to go on a ride here. I'm talking to people that are nice people. We're having fun. And then before you knew it, um, we were at the first convenience store. Yeah. And that's fun in itself because uh, who doesn't like to go to a convenience store and eat a bunch of junk food? I guess there's people <laughs> who definitely don't like it, but I certainly yeah. like it. And I was ready for uh, for a little feasting. So, right yeah. Cool. So, uh, Will, so, you, you know, we got the background of how – WTB got into the tires. We got the background of how uh, WTB got interested in gravel events and specifically with Trans Iowa. Now take us back to Mill Valley and uh, talk a little bit about maybe what's the vibe about uh, what's the vibe in inside of WTB as far as the gravel scene goes. What is it? Something like, well, those guys are crazy, or this is kind of a, a goofy deal, but we make tires for it anyway. Or what? What? What do you guys think about this whole mess out out there? So we like it, and uh, you know we're coming out with more and more gravel product. That's the product side of things. The vibe here, people like that you can kind of do all types of riding with a gravel bike you're not limited to just on the road you're not limited to just on the dirt but it's it's a great thing because we've got good road riding out here in marin county and where wtb is we're just north of san francisco at kind of the southern end of marin county which if mm-hmm. you think about the photos you always see of san francisco you've got golden gate bridge and you've got san francisco in the background yeah the photographer for that photo is standing in marin county so Marin okay. <laughs> County is right on the north side of the Golden Gate Bridge, and we're two towns up. So you've got Sausalito right down next to the Golden Gate Bridge. Just further north of that is Mill Valley, okay. and that's where WTB is currently located and has been at this location since 1994. Wow. Mill Valley is just at the base of Mount Tam, and that's short for Mount Tamalpais. Um, which has just got a lot of kind of older mountain bike history with a lot of early on mountain biking. And you hear tales of folks in Fairfax, California, doing a lot of early mountain biking on repack trail and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. That's near us here in Mill Valley, but we're kind of on the south side of Mount Tam, which um, is kind of the we call it a mountain. It's on, it's 2,500 feet. So a lot of people think of that as big hill, but it's down here, <laughs> Southern Marin County. So one thing that's great is we've got uh, a bunch of nice fire roads that go up on Mount Tam and kind of around surrounding the headlands, which is a big area of protected land um, right next to the Golden Gate Bridge. So when I was talking about that photographer standing in Marin County, he's standing in the headlands of Marin County. So we've got kind of a nice mix of you've got fire road riding and then you also have some regular paved roads that are a little bit quieter as you go further into western Marin County okay. and West Marin where you, you don't have quite as much traffic. So mm-hmm. one thing that we like is you can you can be on the road, you can jump onto dirt, you can kind of do it all. It's not like uh, 
you don't get to enjoy the ride on the way to the dirt. So very mm-hmm. all-encompassing. And it's really fun having tires that can kind of do both those things and hopefully do them both semi-okay. So right people on. here are excited for more tires that kind of hopefully start to address some of that mixed usage that we find here in Marin County, but also hopefully are something that works well in the Midwest where you guys have been doing gravel riding for a long, long time. And yeah, and it almost feels like the West coast is finally figuring it out and catching up and thinking, Oh yeah, that is pretty sweet, man. (laughs) That quick. So um, I would say the feel around here is, is positive and uh, excited for not only the style of riding, but also that now we've got, more products coming that are kind of more dedicated to that style of riding. Right on, right on. So, <clears throat> so as far as, um, you know, you kind of touched on a little bit that the West coast is, uh, people that ride out there are kind of catching on to, they can put these kind of rides together, but it's true too, that there were people doing those kinds of rides out there. I don't know if it just wasn't well known or because I know like Mike Varley does a lot of rides like that. If you follow him on his blog, he's doing a little bit of pavement and crossing over this mountain and on a, on a dirt fire road and hooking up with another piece of pavement. And, and, uh, I know there were guys doing that, those kinds of rides for years and years out there. So is it, is it more that, uh, we're more aware of things like that now or, is it um, just the gr- the growth of the gravel scene in general that's brought this to the awareness of the West Coast folks, or what, how how do you see that? Definitely, people in Marin County and out west in general that have been doing this type of riding for quite some time. More bikes that are available that kind of try to address this do it all style of riding. Um, so it's becoming a little bit more accessible in terms of options to folks. It's more options hopefully get more riders interested um Mm -hmm. there are more and more events popping up i know you guys mentioned it on uh, i believe it was the last podcast where didn't you say you used to have only enough gravel events that you didn't even have to scroll down the page yeah Yeah. in order to see them all and now what did you say it was over 300 Over over 400 over 400 now, yeah. 430-something, I think, is the last Yeah. Time. So that's awesome. And uh, that really shows that gravel riding is uh, quite a popular deal. So I think part of it is that it's an accessible thing. You can, right. you can do many things with it. And a lot of people, I think, like that rather than I get this you know, either crits or really tight cornering and just going as fast as possible. Or I get this bike that's only made for touring or Mm -hmm. I get this mountain bike. That's the ultimate in stiffness. That's nothing but Watts. Or I get a mountain bike that's only made for descending. You kind of have a bike that can do a lot of things. Well, that's a comfortable bike to ride that you can head out on a ride and you can do, all types of trails and you can kind of throw them all in. So I think it's appealing from that do it all sense. Also that kind of accessible to more people sense. And there, there seems to be quite a lot of 
that riding out there in terms of terrain too. So yeah, 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 that makes sense. So it's not just the industry coming up with another thing to take money out of your pocket. See, there's the joke about the money. <laughs> you, you never know. You never trust the industry. So don't rule that one out. Yeah, yeah, yeah but I was gonna positive merit to you know maybe something that's catching on is catching on for good reason and right you right. always have to wonder if there's the me too effect which i think no matter what once something starts gaining popularity people do see oh, okay look at this these folks are having success here we should do something like this too so that's always something um you know with us kind of moving into gravel tires I like to think that it's kind of a natural fit for WTB moving from more of a mountain pass to getting closer to road riding, Mm -hmm. not a road only type of company. We are a brand that is, you know, got some mountain history to us. If we're to get closer to road bikes, you know, gravel and cross is a way that makes a lot of sense for us. It's bikes and dirt. We love that. And now it's kind of opened up this whole opportunity of, you know, you don't have to only ride dirt. You can ride some pavement to get to dirt. You can ride all sorts of different stuff. Yep. So, yeah. Gee, Will, you just gave us a really level-headed, awesome answer. <laughs> it wasn't wasn't like, no, we're on the take. <laughs> well, I'm I'm giving you a hard time. I'm sorry. <laughs> No, I that's, was that's, I was going to jump in er, way earlier on when we were discussing that, and you were saying, "Well, how these people were basically begging you to make them." And yeah, that's, that's yeah. your indication right there. I mean, yeah. listeners, yeah. if you hear that, I mean, if that doesn't tell you that there wasn't demand for it, I don't know what does. Yeah, there was exactly. total demand for it. Yeah, yeah, and so, you know, yeah. No, that was the, that was the, probably the best explanation of. You know, there, there's, there is the, the demand that we talked about, but there also, and it's with that way with any industry, any kind of a activity, there's always going to be those people that see an opportunity just to make money and jump in just to, and that's really a, their motivation. Right. It's, it's just that. Yeah, so, that you know, yeah. So, uh, I, I think what you said, Will, is, is just hits the nail on the head. It's, that was perfect. That's the best answer to that question we've gotten from anybody. So, that's very well said. I, I like I like that answer. <laughs> well, yeah, too nice. Yeah, hope it made some sense somehow. Oh, totally made sense. So, absolutely. So that's great. Hey, Will, we got I got one more question for you before we let you go. Well, I have a couple questions after that. Oh, okay. okay. Well, <laughs> I got one. Okay, I'll ask my question, then Ben, you can take yep. over. Yep. So, so Will, what what's your favorite kind of beer to drink? If we sat down and had a beer, what's what what's what are you going to order? Well, I certainly like stouts, um, okay. which is a little weird. It seems like West Coast out here, there's a deep fascination with IPAs. Yes. And the hoppier you make it, the the seemingly better it is perceived to be, which IPAs are great. I like those too. But uh, I don't know. There's something nice about uh, having a beer that almost looks like chocolate milk. Chocolate milk is yes. nice too. Yes, it is. <laughs> so I, I certainly do like a stout but uh sometimes it's not the weather for a stout but right now we're kind of getting closer to our semblance of winter and a stout would be a nice thing to order were i lucky enough to grab a beer with you nice okay well i'm gonna keep that in mind 
Awesome. And uh, right back at you, what would you order? Me? Oh, I'm kind of into, you know, I'm kind of over the whole IPA thing. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's just like, man, you go to look at the beer aisle and it's like 90% IPA stuff. So uh, really? I've been trying to find other things. So there's uh, um, the sour beers. I've been kind of experimenting in that. And I like stouts. Stouts one of my more favorite kind of beers, actually. Um, but yeah, lagers and pilsners and just different mm-hmm. things like that recently. That's what I've been into. So Nice. Yeah. Beers are good. I agree. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ben, you can take take over there. Yeah, well, I have been, well, two questions. These are separate. All right. I hate yeah. to go from a good to- topic of uh, beer, but uh, I want to know the process of putting this tire together. So in the beginning, when you had this, you you have a tread, right? And, yep. you know, you've had a tread that's been popular and been used. You were talking about JP, you know, running on... His go-to tire for the divide early days, you know, the, and, uh, mm-hmm. so you have this tread and you have these people asking you, you gotta make it in a, in a, in a this cross or that, or that yep. or this, what is that process to make that happen? I mean, it's not like you can't just call up the guy and say, okay, just churn out these tires. How do, first of all, how does that process work? And then what is the time frame that that takes? Or that that whole process encompasses between, hey, let's put this tread on a on a tire, then test it to make sure it works well on that given width, to mm-hmm. let's sell it to customers. So, it's kind of a process that starts with trying to figure out, okay, what exactly is this this product we're doing? Because sometimes you are getting multiple requests. You're getting, hey, I want, you know. 700 by 45 or no i just want a 700 by 32 34 something light racy mm-hmm. super fast or i want something with big knobs i want something with this with that so there's a little bit of okay let's try to figure out uh what makes sense or how many we can do that sort of thing and so to go before, back to so can i jump in there because that, brought, that yeah, brings up another do. good question uh how do you distinguish who who makes the most noise? Is it pure numbers of people that say, "Hey, I want a 40 Let's say, for example, this specific width, or is it? Well, do you take into account like certain opinions from people, like you were talking about before with with the builders? You kind of know and trust, or how does that? Or you kind of balance the two and say, "Okay, this makes sense." Well, it's kind of a tricky one because. <laughs> It can depend yeah. on where you are and what's going on. And what I mean by that is, let's say we were adding a tire now. Um, you know, we already have some tires that are out there. We were lucky enough to launch the Riddler 37 and 45 at Trans Iowa this past Trans Iowa. Um, yep. We also have a Nano 40. So, you know, the the question would be different today than it was back when we started working on the Nano 40. Mm -hmm. So if we had an established line, kind of part of it would be, okay, what are we already offering? What are we addressing in terms of a line and how it's providing options for different riders and who's requesting what and how does that fit within kind of where we overall want to go with things, what we want to offer we had dabbled a little bit with uh, 
kind of sort of big monster crossy type of tire. Mm -hmm. So the, the tricky thing became, okay, all right, people are asking us for multiples. Um, how, if you could only choose one size, what yeah. size would that be? So that's kind of the question that had to get asked back to people. And it was interesting because there was, well, I want you to do a 700 by 40, hmm. well, 35 to 37. So once it kind of, you started pointing the finger back to, okay, look, can't do several at once. We can only do one. That's where everything started migrating closer to that 40 millimeter size. 40 nice. still seemed at the time like a little bit on the big side, but yeah. that was also kind of the hope. We want some volume there. Um, fortunately, with the Nano, even though it's a little bit more mountain bikey looking and that it's slightly deeper, do a fast 40. So I guess we did kind of have a little bit of a tip off, you know. Obviously, Sean Walling of Soulcraft had said take a nano make it in 40 millimeter so we already had a tip off that maybe that would be a great size to be looking at but once we started asking people okay we can't do multiple sizes we can only do one one tire that's when it started to narrow that things were getting closer to that 40 millimeter size now i also need to address you mentioned what happens with the tire how do you start to figure out what it is you want how does that tire go from being what is it to here it is we have it now yeah. so to address some of that once you figure out what is the product we want to do um you and you figure out okay do we have people that maybe this product makes sense for if we already have products out there does it make sense within our line once you figure out okay we're doing this product what are the next steps well you have to start drawing the tire and that's where in the case of nano 40 we were kind of assessing what what tread patterns would make sense here um, what tread patterns do we already have we started looking at different tires we offered on kind of the mountain bike side mm -hmm. and the nano was definitely a target we also were looking at we have our nine line tire for mountain bike side of things mm -hmm. um that was kind of a consideration. So we started looking at that. Um, it ended up being Mark Slate was the one who made the drawing and kind of drew out the Nano 40. Oh, yeah. Um, but once you start figuring out what are the attributes we want this tire to have, does it need to be fast? Does it need to everything? But sadly, it's always got to be somewhat of a compromise you can't necessarily have a tire that is the best tire in the world in the mud is also the best yeah. tire in the world on the road and also weighs nothing but will yeah. never fall apart <laughs> and, never and fall apart, that's yeah. your magical tire yeah. so you start thinking about okay what is the application of this tire what are we trying to use it for what is the type of terrain we're going to be using it on then you start thinking about tread pattern and then it's time to start drawing some treads and that's where um we get to you know internally here we've got mark slate who does a lot of tread patterns and then we also have evan smith in our product development office who also does a bunch of tread patterns for us um, so what, I'm, I'm gonna interrupt you a minute will because uh i bet ben i bet you don't know uh what marks about mark slate do you 
You, have you heard about him? Heard uh, about that guy? Yep. I probably should have. Well, he, he's probably drawn more mountain bike tire designs than anybody that that's out there. <laughs> yeah, that shows my history. <laughs> I just don't. I think yeah. he goes he goes way back, doesn't he, Will? He does. So Mark Slate is uh one of our owners here at WTP and also an original founder of WTP. So in 1982, mm-hmm. there was Mark Slate, Steve Potts, Charlie Cunningham. Um today Mark Slate is still part of WTP, one of uh the two owners. So now today WTP is owned by Mark Slate and Patrick Seidler. So mm-hmm. Mark, a lot of tires over the long haul here. So since 1982, going all the way to today, um, there are quite a lot of mountain bike tread patterns and yep. you know tires for trekking, tires for all sorts of stuff, pavement use, everything. So it's pretty amazing getting to work with him. He has so much history and knowing what different things do in different areas kind of the effect of mm-hmm. different side knobs and all sorts of stuff so um, that's just a little bit of a taste of who is mark slate what what does he have to do with tire design he has quite a lot to do with yeah. tire design here at so, WTB. yeah and that was the reason i wanted to draw that out is because when you're when you folks out there if you ride a nano 40 you're riding a little tiny piece of mountain bike history because of the guy who drew that design. So in terms of the overall time frame, back to that, if you if somebody were to stop you out on the trail and say, hey, how long does it take to develop a tire from uh, tread to selling it to a customer? How long is that period? So that's a good year if things are going smoothly. By the time it's kind of you're, you're talking about something, making drawings, finalizing drawings, actually getting samples of the tire, approving the samples if it comes out as it should, and then it's getting ordered, it's getting, it's going to distributors, it's making its way from distributors to bike shops, or it's making its way from WTB to bike shops. So if things happen fast, that's like a year. If things get slowed down, revisions need to be made, that can you know, take longer than a year. Wow. And if for some reason things are going ridiculously fast, then that timeline gets shortened to than a year. But that's if you get really lucky. So yeah. kind of in the case of the Nano 40, you know, we went to Frostbike. We saw that there was intense demand for gravel tires. We were getting asked for gravel tires as much as fat bike tires. Tons of, tons of asks. The next year we went back to Frostbike and that's where we launched the Nano 40. So that was very quick, but we didn't immediately have it in stock, which that was something that maybe was a little foolish, but we did want to at least, you know, come back to the show where we had so many ass with here's a tire. Here's Mm -hmm. something that we think could address what you directly asked us for a year ago. So Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. All right. So my second question is, I think that's yeah. that first one was like 25 minutes. Uh, yeah, I apologize. No, that's good. That's what I want. That's no. what listeners want to hear that. <laughs> Otherwise, we could just write up a quick yep. paragraph and people could read it. They don't want to do that. Yeah. Well, they do, no. but they'd like to hear some extra. 
Uh, the second one is more of a, okay, you have this developed and now you have it out in the hands of people they're buying. Um, and as much as you, both of you can talk about the process, Mark or Mark guitar, Ted is, yeah. uh, he's been blogging nearly. If you look at his blog, it's like comes out to damn near every day for the last, I don't even know, eight years. Right. So people have gotten to know him through his writing and his, his likes and dislikes and, uh, you know, his reviews and people really dig that, you know, they, they value that and they, and they, uh, read it. I mean, they like to know what he's thinking and, uh, me included. Right. So when you get this out there and somebody from your perspective goes to, let's say, I'm just going to call it the media sources and says, Hey, ride this, ride this tire. Tell us what you think, or like do a write up, do whatever on that side of things. How does that process between the two of you go? You know, like for, it's easy for us to sit here for WTB because we know he likes it. <laughs> but if you yeah. have somebody that doesn't, I mean, what is just overall conversation? Maybe you're dealing with somebody new, Will, like you go to some new site pops up and you're dealing with this person. How does that all work? People, listeners don't, don't know how how that process works. And, uh, I, I think it's, it's interesting, you know, all comes down to relationships, but, um, can you just both of you chime in, talk about a little bit about how, how that works and what it's like to have a relationship with, with each other, uh, a working relationship with each other that, that includes that kind of work. Sure. Guitar Ted, would you like to start or? Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, so I've been doing, tire reviews since 2006 i think when i got that got the first the first tire i reviewed was a wtb tire yeah. oh. i just realized that wow <laughs> was it so Did you, it was yeah, you remember which model it was the uh x the wolf okay the, tw- cool. the 29 inch one that you guys used to make i remember that now yeah so i just realized that anyway um, are just a fad yeah, whatever. They're they're not going to last. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it was, 2006. Yeah, it was. And uh, anyway, so what happens usually is, um, uh, what happened with me anyway, I was blogging, talking about 29ers, and this guy got a hold of me and said, hey, um, I run this site, I want you to write for me, um, and I, I can get you hooked up with product to review. So that's how it started for me. But, you know, now that I am, I'm kind of on the other end of that now. So where people actually will send me an email, uh, either from directly from a company or from, uh, whatever company is using as a marketing agency. Some of these companies use, uh, like, like a, a marketing agency that agency that represents several companies and they'll, they'll have different products that they, they, uh, rep. So, They'll say, hey, we got this. We can send it out to you. Is it interesting to you? Um, what, do you what do you think? And so then I pitch back an idea for, you know, how if, if I'm interested and how, how I'm going to do this story. And they send it to me, and, and then I, I do what I, I do my, my thing. But typically, you're either working with somebody in marketing, uh, and that's your contact, or you're working with somebody in a marketing agency, and that's your contact that they don't. They're not really from the company themselves. They're a separate marketing agency. So it's one of those two things. And um, so that's basically it as far as how that goes. And and uh, I don't know how 
they choose me, you know, that will, maybe will, you can address that, uh, as far as how it looks from you guys is in. Yeah. I don't want to, I, I, I guess, will, I don't want to dig into like too much, like give away and tell people how you, the inner workings, but just generally speaking, how, um, I don't know how, not necessarily how you decide, but what, what's that look like from your perspective? I mean, how do you, I guess, is that the, the, you know, is the best way to get it in the hands of like a couple big people or a bunch of different people that are going to review it? And how do you keep control of, of how that's going? That's, I guess that's well, my bigger question. I think, uh, you kind of got to think about, okay, what is this product? What is uh, kind of the best fit for this product? Because you can have different outlets that focus on different things. So, so long as you're targeting, you know, media or an outlet that you th- you like to think is a better fit for either that style of writing. You know, there are many different folks that cover many different things, and they have a very broad focus from a media side of things. Now, if you um, take a look at Guitar Ted and Riding Gravel, um, you guys have an awesome focus on gravel riding. You guys cover it very thoroughly. So when we come out with something that's a gravel product, you know, we're flattered if you guys are kind enough to review it. And not only that, then it's something that uh, we're very lucky. You guys get to test so much gravel products. So if we get to work with you and hear your feedback on something, you know, that's really invaluable insight. And it's something that you test many different things. So you guys are experts, you know, so much. And on our end at WTP here, we can go out, we can test other people's products, but you're constantly testing products. So kind of to step back to a little bit of what Guitar Ted said, where sometimes there are marketing agencies that, that person kind of reaching out to media, they're not necessarily working only for the company that they're reaching out on behalf of. That's great, but uh, it seems like, sadly, that I don't know if those people are passing the info they're gaining from um, gear editors and testers back to the company. Maybe they are, but one thing we're fortunate for here at WTP is, you know, we do have direct contact with media, with customers of ours, with bicycle brands, with riders out there. So mm-hmm. I guess we're still kind of small enough that we have that and we're thankful for that because, you know, if we hear something, we definitely do want to take it into consideration. And if it's something that could make something better in the future or change something we've got, yeah. that's something we want to well, know. So, yeah. Oh, it's good yeah. to know. I mean, you just from the outside, me never being able to ask anybody looking in from outside perspective, it seems like that's the way you do your company's very, I don't know, hands on and like, uh, uh, open to feedback, I guess it would be, you know, you, you seem to like be one of those very interested uh companies and not one that would be hey here's a marketing company go go just get good reviews and do that you know so that's good to hear well thank you yeah we're we're lucky we have a lot of folks out there who want us to do well and they really help us and we're incredibly thankful for that um 
media side, bike shop side, distributor side, bike brand side, rider side, everything. We're, we're thankful for it. And, uh, really appreciate all the product you guys have reviewed of ours as well. That's, it's super fun because, you know, you've got a new product, you're excited for it. You, you care about it. And then you really want to know what, uh, other folks who, who certainly know their product think of it. So it's always like guitar Ted, when you send us, uh, you know, here's the latest, uh, in testing or final thoughts. It's like, oh man, oh, what is it? You know, it's serious <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, because yeah, it's like that yeah. for all of us. Yeah, and it's it's fun. So, yeah, I guess uh, we're lucky that we we do get to work directly with media and and that we get to pass that info back. We're not a huge company, so um, we're thankful that we get to to take that input. Mm. We're very thankful for it. And just to, to kind of button out all that up, um, one thing I, I wanted to say was that uh, the cycling industry at large is doing an awesome job because we don't get very many stinkers as far as, you know, I mean, it's flattering that people, you know, are in the industry or, or readers want to know what I think about things. But it's basically, it, it, it's, it's not a it's not a tough job when everybody's doing such a good job, you know what I what I mean. Uh, everybody's making really good product, and it's just a matter of more of uh, talking about well, who is it good for, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. So, for instance, if you get a tire, uh, it's not a bad tire, but it might not be good for some people, and that's kind of what we we do more of that now than we than we get things in. I mean, I remember I, back in the 29-inch days when things were getting rolling, there were a couple of tires that got sent to me, and I, I actually would write the uh, the company and say, do you really want me to talk about this? Because this tire is bad. <laughs> well, very, <laughs> you know, very kind of you to give them that heads up. Yeah. You know, and there were some tires I never did write about because they were just they they were horrible you know and I would just say, look, you guys really got to work work out this problem because – you know, hey, it's just, and actually that did happen uh, recently. Um, ben, you know about this. It was a yeah. tire that was sent stone, to us. Uh, we, we, we talked about it on the podcast. I think the, we called it a stone yeah, thrower or something. The, the gravel oh, flinger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, somebody sent us a tire and it, the, the knobs weren't really what I would have like to have seen just because they picked up the, the stones and threw them all in the air like a hailstorm. It was crazy. <laughs> oh, so I got a hold of the company right away and, and I said, look, you know, this is what's happening. And I sent them some pictures and some, some descriptions and they were like, oh my gosh, really? And I said, yeah, this is not going to fly, you know? And they, so they actually took the tire back and redesigned it. It took them about four months. I think it was five months and they, and they got, and they totally redesigned it. So, uh, oh, based man, upon that, that, that's awesome that they did that, you know, they took yeah, the and they worked on it. Yeah, so that's, I mean, that's the hope, you know, always. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, that's how it kind of works on on mine. But I just wanted to say that overall, in general, it's it's uh, it's nice it, it's nice to see that everybody's really doing a great job. They really are. 
um, there's really not many things that I would say that anymore that this is horrible and I wouldn't, I wouldn't use it. So, uh, every once in a while there's a concern like the gravel flinger thing. Um, but you know, in general, it's, it's well, a lot more good than, than bad. And, and, uh, I, I always tell people we're living in the golden age of cycling right now. I mean, there's so many more choices. There's so many more good products, great products out there to choose from. Uh, cause I remember, gee, when I started mountain biking and you, you might remember this, Will, if, if you were around back then, but you know, you, you, you could buy a mountain bike. You didn't really know what you were getting. It was some small company that had an idea that wasn't necessarily very well tested. And some of those bikes were kind of sketchy, really. <laughs> some of those, yeah. CNC, some of those CNC machine cranks, they'd break, you know, and, and it was, it was kind of a, uh, you know, handlebars were snapping off, and I can remember they they used to tell you in the magazines you guys change your handlebars every two years because they break if you don't. And who does that anymore, right? I know, yeah. <laughs> so it's no, just yeah, I it's agree. just amazing uh, time that we're living in right now. We got all these different wheels to choose from, and you know, just on and on. It's just it's really cool. So I think the cycling industry, it, uh, from my standpoint, is just really doing a great job as far as. And uh, people get mad because there's so many choices now, which is, I think it's crazy, you know? So I, I just wanted to say that, that I think everything's going really well. I have, so I have one more question and then I think <laughs> we, we wrap this up because it, what you just said brings up uh, one other thing that I think is something that's important to discuss. Well, from WTB's perspective, how do you, what's the secret uh, in not keeping up with the Joneses, but doing your own thing, staying relevant, staying true to what you know works best, and uh, to balance all that. Well, I think it's tricky. You know, um, Guitar Ted just mentioned there are so many choices out here, and it's it's a delicate one because uh, some people do get frustrated. There are too many options for this, or too many things constantly changing. So I think how do you stay relevant? How do you keep up with things? I think you've got to think about, well, what is going to progress things for the better? Do things need to get progressed further? And what would hopefully make the overall experience better riding? So how Mm -hmm. could you improve upon something? And if you could improve upon it, um, is that something worthwhile? for at the end of the day is that something that's going to help out so hopefully if you can kind of keep those things in mind also take a look at the direction that things are moving and hopefully try to be a little bit ahead of where those things are moving if you factor all that in and also hopefully you can sell it at the end of the day then you know maybe that's a good way to try to think about it but it is tricky it's constantly evolving you don't necessarily want to come out with something just for sake of coming out with something, but yeah. you want to hopefully come out with something you believe in or try to progress something for the better if you can do that, if you're lucky enough to. Yeah, makes sense. Cool. Cool. That's yeah. a good, good answer. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's great. I just, that's why oh, I like the podcast is we can get some honest uh, feedback. You know, I can throw stuff at you and get some honest feedback, so that's good. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So, Will, are you coming back to Transio this year? You are, aren't you? 
I am. I'm very excited for it. So I did not finish last year, and uh, I would love to have another attempt at trying to finish. But aside from finishing or any of that, I really do want to come back and see the awesome people I got to hang out with in Grinnell last April. So very much looking forward to that. Was worried that uh, my postcard did, was not going to make it in time. <laughs> uh, I think I just squeaked in there. So I think there's some media thankful. exemptions though too, isn't there? Or industry exemptions normally? Guitar Ted? Oh, we used to do that, but oh. uh now now I don't. Oh, now okay. I make everybody do the same oh, thing. So I, you're I, lucky. Okay. I'm a big I'm a big meanie. <laughs> okay. But I'm thankful my postcard made it and uh yeah, I can't wait for it. I'm super excited for for Trans Iowa twenty seventeen. This we're on to V thirteen, huh? Yep. yep. That and is 13. incredible. 13 trans Iowas. Um, yeah. You've got to be pretty proud of that, aren't you? Sure well, yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, I try to keep a level head about it. I mean, take everyone as it comes and just do the best job I can at the one that's coming up. And the ones that are in the past are in the past. And, and you know, I just focus on what's right in front of me. So that's, uh, it just takes uh, a lot. A lot of focus and a lot of effort to make sure everything comes off the way I want it to, and I'm probably my own worst critic in in terms of the event. So, um, pretty hard on myself when it comes to that. But yeah, so I, I you know sometimes I take take a, a minute and look back at it and shake my head, and it's pretty incredible. And I have enough people that come to see me every April that remind me of those things, so I don't need to have I don't need to have to focus on that too much myself so that's that's a blessing yeah but yeah pretty incredible um i got to witness that just a little bit yeah yeah there's plenty of people that uh definitely make make it well known <laughs> so that's nice that's nice to get that feedback for sure just uh, another question for you when you first started with jeff kirkhoff mm-hmm did you think, hey, uh, you know, 10 years from now, 13 years from now? That's crazy. Well, I, I'll tell you a little story that um, happened. And I think Jeff and I had gone to Frostbike one year. And we had driven up in his car together. And on our way back from Minnesota on I-35 coming back into Iowa, there's a sign that most states have them. Welcome to Iowa. And he, out of the blue, says, someday we're going to come back to the state line and we're going to see the sign that says, welcome to Iowa, home of home of Trans-Iowa. And I just laughed. <laughs> I thought, that you're crazy. Nobody's ever going to know about this race. <laughs> so, yeah, and, and he, he, he had, uh, I don't know if he was saying that in jest or if he really thought that was a vision of his, I don't know, you know, but that was in the early days of it. And I thought that was, there's just no way nobody's ever going to know about this. And it's always going to be just a bunch of weirdos that come in and write it. And nobody's going to talk about it and that's going to be it. But, and, uh, I was wrong. So yeah, obviously it's been, been a big deal and a lot of people's lives have been changed by it. And a lot of people love it. And, you know, I never, I never in my wildest dreams would ever have thought that. So no, I, I never, I never thought those things in the early days. Well, pretty incredible. Um, yeah, a lot of people certainly do look forward to it and 
pretty amazing to see international folks all coming to do it as well too. Yep. And yeah, amazing deal. So I'm certainly looking forward to version 13 and all of us here at WTP are excited for it. So cool. thank you so yeah, much. You're welcome. Yeah. You're welcome. I'm glad that glad you're going to make it out again. It's going to be fun. So looking forward to it. Awesome. Well, I think that's about it. So, uh, yeah, we look forward to getting this out there and uh, and seeing you this spring. Will, thanks for coming on, and uh, thanks for explaining a little bit of the behind the curtains look at uh, how tires are uh, done and uh, your your uh, banter about Trans Iowa and stuff. Appreciated, I really appreciate that a lot. Um, so, thanks for coming on and. We look forward to uh, seeing you this coming April. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me and uh, for the opportunity and, of course, for putting on Trans-Iowa. Very special deal. Um, we're very fortunate to have been been allowed to be part of it. So thank you kindly. Cool. Well, on behalf of Ben, uh, this is Guitar Ted, over and out. We'll see you next time on Riding Gravel Radio Ranch. Again, thank you to TravelKS.com for sponsoring this episode. Be sure to head over to that site and check out what they have to offer.